Welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast covering women's sports news. My name is Chloe Dalton. I'm a Giants AFLW player and an Olympic gold medalist in rugby sevens. And every week I'm joined by my co-host Bez, who this week has forgotten to bring her microphone. So we're sitting very close together. She had a big weekend after the Super W grand final. Unfortunately, a loss, but we'll get into the details of that later. She brought baked goods instead. I've got such a reputation for the baked goods now that I feel like that's the only thing I'm checking for when I leave the house. If I forget microphones and laptops, it's not my fault. (laughs) So we're sitting way too close together, sharing a microphone, which could end very poorly, but we'll let you know how we go. All right, let's get into business. Taking a look around the grounds, the goat of basketball, Lauren Jackson returns to the court. Barcelona break their own world record and 12-year-old Chloe Cavell wins bronze at her first X Games in the open age category. For our key story, we'll discuss the Russian and Belarusian athletes banned from competing at Wimbledon following the Russian invasion of Ukraine. This podcast drops every Tuesday morning at 6am, so make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast to not miss an episode. And it also comes in a newsletter format, which hits your inbox Again, every Tuesday morning, I'll put the link in the show notes so you can subscribe to read it with your morning coffee. Let's take a look around the grounds. In basketball, the GOAT, Lauren Jackson, has made a sensational return to the court. In her first game back since coming out of retirement in 2016, she announced earlier this year that she was making her return for the Albury Wodonga Bandits in the country's second tier NBL1 competition. So it sits just underneath the WNBL. She's a three time WNBA in the US MVP, four time WNBL back home in Australia MVP, four time Olympian, five time WNBL champion, and seven time WNBA All Star. It's tough to argue that. And she's also in the um, Naismith Basketball Memorial Hall of Fame. She had many chronic knee injuries, which forced her to retire just before the Rio 2016 Olympics. She had multiple ACL reconstructions. Um, she had a staph infection that meant she ended up in hospital for a really long time. So didn't I don't think she actually wanted to retire, but her body just wasn't holding up anymore. She's talked about the fact that she's now using medicinal cannabis to manage the pain in her knees. She made a comeback at the age of 40 on Saturday night for the Bandits in their NBL1 clash with the Central Coast Crusaders. She put on an absolute clinic. She dropped five three-pointers, had 21 points, five rebounds, and a pretty impressive block. It was interesting looking at her Instagram story after the game as well. She was talking about that she was feeling every minute of her 40 years after playing. She then went and had some treatment with a massage gun and got ready to go the next day where she dropped 36 points and grabbed 15 rebounds in their second win from two games. Two questions for you. Yes. First one, what do you think she has to uh, gain from this comeback? You just read a very impressive list of accomplishments. What, what do you think is driving her? It's a really good question, and it's an interesting time frame, the fact that it's six years after retirement. It's not like she retired for a year or so and then wanted to come back. I know she's got two kids now. So maybe she's kind of gone through pregnancy, recovered from that and realized that she can contribute something. I think the Opal's performance in Tokyo and in some recent competitions has probably been a little bit disappointing based on the access to talent that they have as a group. Has she sat back and watched and thought, 
I can still continue to impact this group that has such an incredible legacy. So that's my second question. Do you think oh, she'll please. be wearing green and gold? She looked good. Like we, we know that she's such an impressive shooter from the outside, but she's also so damaging when she gets inside and, and plays in that pose position. The NBL competition, the NBL one competition isn't the highest standard. So she's obviously going to dominate at that level. I'd love to see her play a bit of WNBL and then prepare. Well, I don't, she's not going to have time before the World Cup. So is she going to have enough games at a high competition level to, to play at the World Cup? Will her body hold up? I think yes. Excellent. You've heard it here first. Shame. Obviously, the WNBA is about to start. They're playing preseason matches at the moment. I know how restrictive the WNBA roster numbers are that they, you know, we've saw that was with Shyla Hill last year. A shame that it is that way because imagine a little kind of Seattle Storm loan period leading into, leading into the World Cup, just seeing it back on that court with Sue Bird and the future of the Boomers, uh, the Opals with uh, Ezzy. Jade Melbourne as well. Yeah. As he said, Jade Melbourne's just been drafted to Seattle as well. Yeah. You'd think someone who's – Jersey has been retired mm. at Seattle. She's pretty – she's one of the best players to have ever played there. I think there should be a bit of a leeway. Yeah. Exceptions made for goats. Goat exceptions. Uh, all right. Rugby union. Deep breath. The Fijiana drew upset four-time champions New South Wales Waratahs to take out the Super W title at Melbourne's Amy Park over the weekend. First of all, big shout-out to the Fijian fans that were there. Um, obviously, we were a two o'clock kickoff on a Saturday. It was probably, you know, the, the crowd was good, but the noise that they made was outstanding. Really created an electric atmosphere. It was awesome for the girls to play in front of. Um, in, and look, the Fijiana women were exceptional. They pushed my girls all the way, and the game went right down to the wire. The Drua took a 17 5 lead early, which, funnily enough, was the halftime scorer when we played them during the season. Um, after punishing loose ball loss and ex- executing a great kick pass for two early tries. The Waratahs looked to stage a comeback against the thrilling Fijian attack with New Zealand import Natalie Delamere crossing for a hat trick. I mentioned to her after the game that she was incentivized to get her line-out throws on the money because every time she did, we scored or mm. she scored. Mm. You know, she, as the hooker, she's throwing that line-out into our, our second rower. When she nails it, she gets on the back of that driving mall and our girls' driving mall was exceptional on the weekend again. Um, so we were looking, obviously, to dominate that set piece and the scrum and line-out uh, were exceptional. Fijian player Vika Mataruga was sent to the Simbin for 10 minutes after uh, infringing at that rolling mall. Wallaroos Emily Chancellor and scrum half Ilya Seva Badabasaga were incep- exceptional at the breakdown, winning turnovers to allow the Waratahs much-needed breathing room after a fast-paced Fijiana attack. Waratahs forward Eva Kapani looked to be the key to key substitution as she crossed the trial line moments after entering the field of play. However, an impressive solo effort from Timamia Revisa placed the lead back in Fiji's hands with nine minutes remaining. Vitalina Nakore sealed the win minutes later to claim her own trick, much to the light of that awesome crowd. The 32-26 victory was Fijiana's maiden title in their first Super W competition. Um, the team were visibly emotional and celebrated together through song and prayer at the end of the match, which was another amazing moment really to be to be there to watch them sing that hymn at the end of the match. It was um, kind of made the loss a little bit easier to take. There was, you know, big ups to that Fijiana team. They've spent nearly four months now living together in the Gold Coast, training full-time, all through some funding from DFAT, which is fantastic, um, and they will now take that into a test match next 
Friday night, Friday week, um, against the Wallaroos in Brisbane. So be interesting to see how the Wallaroos go against that, that, that team. Yeah, and I think good to see the Fijiana girls having more experience playing in this top-level competition as a 15-a-side team as well. Yeah, and there was some really inspiring chat leading into the match from their captain about in Fiji itself, you know, the female game isn't very popular as the men's game is and how she just hoped that this was going to inspire every young girl in Fiji to play some rugby. So that was awesome. That's really cool. In netball, the national selectors have named the 2022-23 Origin Australian Diamond squad of 18 athletes ahead of this year's Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. The final squad can grow up to 22 athletes, but 18 have been announced to date. The only first-time squad invitee of the list is the Queensland Firebirds goal shooter and proud Noongar woman, Danelle Wallam. If she's selected in the Commonwealth Games team of 12 players, she'll become just the third First Nations athlete to play for the Australian national netball team. It was pretty cool, um, her quote, when she was asked about the influence that she might have on First Nations youth. She said, you've got to see it to be it. The fact that I can be a person for them to look up to and realise that they have a chance to make their dreams come true is really important to me. A couple of other standout selections include returning youngsters, Sunday Ayang, Sophie Dwyer, up the Giants and Amy Parmenter as well from the Giants. Ash Brazel claims her spot. She stepped away from Collingwood AFLW this year, which was a big decision because she's an exceptional footy player as well. She wanted to focus on netball leading into the Com games. A couple of injuries coming back from last year, Liz Watson, who had the navicular injury in her foot and Kira Austin, who was an ACL rupture. Both had really notable starts to their super netball season. So they've earned their return to the squad. After being crowned champions of the Netball Quad Series earlier this year, the currently ranked world number one Diamonds team will be led by Captain Watson and Vice-Captain Steph Wood. Can't wait. In more netball, round six of the Super Netball competition was played over the weekend with just one clash between the top four sides, giving the leading teams an opportunity to cement their place at the top and the bottom sides the chance to create an upset. The Sunshine Coast Lightning defeated defending champions New South Wales Swifts at Ken Rosewell Arena. 69 to 62. Although they stumbled in the earlier rounds, the Lightning looked to be thriving following consecutive victories against the previous two champs, overcoming the Melbourne Vixens last week. With Steph Wood unusually quiet, it was goal shooter Kara Conan, 48 goals at 98%. The percentages from the shooters blow my mind. It's so impressive, isn't it? Really, it? 98%. Like she must, 48 goals, she's probably missed one. Mm. Um, Good maths. Well, look, that's a real guess. <laughs> Defender Tara Hinchcliffe, let me just get the Casio out. <laughs> a defender Tara Hinchcliffe and teenager Riley Batchelor, who put their side into the competition's top four. Swiss captain Maddie Proud, although overlooked for the Diamond Squad, there were a few controversial. Yeah, there were. Unselections, non selections. Yeah, I was actually quite surprised by a couple of them. Yeah. Coach Kylie Byrne of the Lightning used almost every resource available to her in the second half. She made a huge nine changes in the third quarter, with the most effective being the inclusion of Bacheldor. The rookie shot a perfect seven from seven for the term, including four super shots. The Collingwood Magpies have executed one of the biggest upsets of the season, knocking off the Queensland Firebirds 67-59 in Brisbane to keep touch with the top four. In... Extreme sports, let's go. The X Games. 12-year-old prodigy Chloe Cavell has won a bronze medal in the Women's Skateboard Street Final at her first ever X Games event. Chloe was um, Chloe the Flow, as she's called Chloe on Instagram, was one of our first guests on The Wrap 
um, last year. So I'll see if I can find that episode for people who want to have a listen to that. She's a, she's a legend. Um, the summer edition of the X Games took place over the weekend in Japan for the first time ever. The X Games Chiba 2022 featured skateboard, BMX and motocross competitions over the weekend. As a 12-year-old, Chloe was competing in the open age category, but the future of women's skateboarding is, is looking pretty good. If you think about the fact that she's competing against, I think it was a 14 and a 15-year-old for the, for the podium spots. And we saw a similar thing at the Tokyo Olympics on the podium. I think they were probably all under 15 years of age. Crazy. It's a bit scary, isn't it, how good they are? Celebrating with some slushies <laughs> of the non-alcohol variety afterwards. Sounds delicious. <laughs> Japan's Olympic bronze medalist Funa Nakayama was runner-up to Brazil's first-time champion Raisa Leal, who at 14 took silver at the Tokyo Olympics. Chloe could potentially represent Australia at the 2024 Olympic Games in Paris at the age of 14 and presents a serious medal chance for our country. In soccer, less than a month ago, 91,553 people filled out Camp Now Stadium in Barcelona to watch their women's team take down Real Madrid in the Champions League quarters. The Barcelona women's team have now broken their own world record for the biggest crowd at a women's sporting event with 91,648 people turning up to Camp Nou Stadium to watch their Champions League semi-final against German opponents Wolfsburg. Barcelona treated the fans to a genuine show, obliterating its German opponents 5-1 thanks to four first-half goals. Ballon d'Or holder Alexia Puteas bagged a brace in the match and fellow Spanish star Jennifer Hermoso was also on the score sheet. And again, once again, I got very much stuck in a wormhole of reels from that game. It's just the, the singing, noise of the crowd oh. is just something. It's so special seeing a stadium with almost 100,000 people. It was live with movement and song and it was just Amazing. We, we, we're going. It's, there's a TFAP school excursion planned. It's happening. For camp now. Camp now. <laughs> Can we confirm, is a brace two goals? Yeah. Why? It's like brackets. What does that mean? I don't know. It's two, two brackets. brackets. Is it? I just made that up. <laughs> Let's take a look at the key story. In tennis, Wimbledon has controversially banned Russian and Belarusian players from upcoming from their upcoming tournament due to the severity of the Ukrainian invasion. The decision was taken after nearly two months of deliberations and legal advice with Wimbledon concerned about the image it would present. In the circumstances of such unjustified and unprecedented military aggression, it would be unacceptable for the Russian regime to derive any benefits from the involvement of Russian or Belarusian players with the championships. That was the statement from Wimbledon. So the women's players that are going to be affected by this ban include number four, Arinya Sabalenka, who was Wimbledon semi-finalist last year, Victoria Azarenka, a former world number one, who has won the Australian Open twice, and Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova, the French Open runner-up last year. The ATP and WA, so the men's and women's uh, tennis associations, have expressed their disappointment with the decision. They stated... Our sport is proud to operate on the fundamental principles of merit and fairness, where players compete as individuals to earn their place in tournaments based on the ATP rankings. We believe that today's unilateral decision by Wimbledon and the LTA to exclude players from Russia and Belarus from this year's British grass court swing is unfair and has the potential to set a damaging precedent for the game. 
Discrimination based on nationality also constitutes a violation of our agreement with Wimbledon that states that player entry is based solely on ATP rankings. Any course of action in response to this decision will now be assessed in consultation with our board and member councils. So Wimbledon have also introduced a complete ban of Russian media. So meaning this year's championships will no longer be shown on Russian TV, while publications from Russia and Belarus will also be barred. Nadine Dorries, Secretary of State for Digital, Culture, Media and Sport of the United Kingdom, welcomed the decision, saying whilst the withdrawal of individual athletes is a complex issue, there is a bigger cause at stake. The decision means Putin won't use the most iconic Grand Slam in tennis to try to legitimise the horrors he's inflicting on the Ukrainian people. The right move. Yeah, so we're obviously seeing a few differences of opinions. I I liked what um, tennis icon Billie Jean King shared in a statement on Instagram. She said, the decision of the LTA and the AELTC regarding the Russian and Belarusian players at this year's tournament was a difficult and complex undertaking, and I appreciate the challenges and the pressures they are facing. One of the guiding principles of the founding of the WTA was that any girl in the world, if she was good enough, would have a place to compete. I stood by that in 1973 and I stand by that today. I cannot support the banning of individual athletes from any tournament simply because of their nationality. Tennis is stronger when we stand together and our continued support of the Tennis Plays for Peace initiative, which provides meaningful financial support and resources to Ukraine, needs to be our focus. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think the key thing that Billie Jean King said there that that resonates with me is simply because of their nationality. Mm. I think it would be a totally different, you know, situation if these players were out there actively supporting their government or the government loose use of the the word, their regime. Mm. And, in fact, I know a lot of them have actually spoken spoken out against the actions of, of, of Russia, against Ukraine. So that, for me, probably makes it a really tough call by Wimbledon. Yeah, I think taking on board the different perspectives that come out of it, if I were to be held responsible in my sporting career for decisions that Scott Morrison had been making, I'd be in a pretty disappointing place, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, that's, and that's a, a, an interesting way to think about it because at least you have the chance in a couple of weeks' time to, to vote. Mm. You've got to ask yourself the question, when was the last time Russian had, had a legitimate vote? or against Vladimir Putin, he just continues to put himself in a position of power. So it is. I think it's a long, a long bow to draw to say that these tennis players should feel the, the punishment from, from Wimbledon um, on behalf of what Putin's doing. I think the one final piece I'll add on is this discussion a lot of the time, uh, even on our Instagram posts, there are a lot of people saying, don't mix sport and politics. I think that's... I disagree with that sentiment because I think we know the power that sport has in, in being able to shape culture and society and people's attitudes. And that's, that's a big part of why we do what we do at the Female Athlete Project from a gender equality perspective. So there's a part of it where I understand that it, it's an ability to make a statement. I just don't think Putin's going to look at it and think, no, I'm going to change my mind now. Is it, is it a collective thing, though, if it's Wimbledon and a whole range of different things that, that continue to add up to the point where it's going to make an impact, potentially? It's a tough one. And, and look, the other thing to take in, into consideration is the fact that the media in Russia is so controlled. Mm. Will they even notice? Mm. You know, will the, will the people of Russia even be aware of it? The big tennis fans, 
oh, probably. Mm. But, you know, what what's churned out in Russia from, from the media is one might say quite one-sided. Let's take a look at what to watch in netball. The Suncorp Super Netball is halfway, round seven, and our matchup of the round is between inform teams, the Sunshine Coast Lightning and the GWS Giants. You can watch live on Sunday at 2 p.m. on Foxtel and KO Freebies. Up the orange. In surfing, it's on right now in the lounge room. The WSL continues with Market River Pro currently underway, as I just said. Watch live on Foxtel, KO Freebies, the WSL app and the Seven Network. I forgot to mention at the start of the episode that it was Anzac cookies today. Your baked goods. My baked goods. You've done well. Well, we've got to stick with the holiday themes and celebrate our amazing Anzacs. And that's the wrap. Made it. Well done. One microphone. Tough to say how it went. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week. See you next week, friend.